At the end of each week, I will sit and contemplate, what did I think about this week? What insights am I having in my marriage? What grabbed my attention in pop culture? What new mommy moments did I experience? Whatever makes my highlight reel at the end of the week is going to be a part of the discussion. Join me. Let's talk about it. Hello, hello, beautiful people. You are tuned in to episode 20 of What I Think About This Week podcast, and I am your host with the most, Janine. I'm so excited to be, quote unquote, talking to you guys again this week. I apologize for my absence last week, but I'm still blaming it on Ariel's birthday cabin trip, okay? (laughs) I'm getting older. Um, The bounce back game is not what it once was. So it took me a minute to um, recoup and get some electrolytes inside of my body and get back into the swing of being a mom. And, you know, that hour loss of sleep did not help at all whatsoever. But I'm back. Long story short, I'm here willing and I'm able. Okay. And on the pod with me this week is another um, guest first timer, but definitely no stranger to the podcast. Everybody, if you could please welcome um, with me a day one supporter and sponsor of the podcast, a very dear friend of mine. Uh, We grew up as cousins because blood couldn't make him any closer to the family at all. Uh, One of the illest lyricists that I have the pleasure of knowing personally, (laughs) my cousin D-Money, a.k.a. Um, Dwayne. (laughs) Yo, for the record, that is like a big name I have not heard since like... (laughs) Middle school, high school. Uh, Nobody calls me that anymore except a very, very, very small few (laughs) people. And I gave him that nickname (laughs) (laughs) on our version mobile phones. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Version mobile. Oh, you just took me back. Yeah, nostalgia, man. Nostalgia. Yes. Text me on weekends when I got free minutes. Call, yes. call me after nine. Yes, yes. Please. <laughs> we got to pay $20 just for some extra minutes. Lord, we have come such a long way. Oh, Unlimited you. everything, which you know about it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, Dwayne, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, you are, like I said, no stranger to the pod. You give me your weekly feedbacks of all my episodes. Like, hey, cuzzo. You know, like super positive and like, but you know what I think you should do? And yeah. then you start dropping gems. So I appreciate you. Oh, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. Um, it was a long time coming, of course, and I knew at, at some point she'd be like, Cuzzo, I need you on the show one time. So it's an <laughs> honor. Shout out to the Nina Mafia out hey, there. Hey, hashtag. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hashtag Nina Mafia in the house. Hey. Uh, and uh, yes, it is great to be a supporter. Um, you know, this this family right here. So when I found out, you know, Cuz had a cut, you know, a podcast, it was like, word. Go ahead and hit that subscribe one time, you know. Leave that five star review, you know what I mean? You know, all that good stuff. So. Dope, 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 dope. <laughs> all right, so I hope you had a good week. Did did the one hour loss of sleep affect you at all? Because it usually doesn't affect me this year. It hit me like a tow truck. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Low key, I think it did hit me, but in a way where luckily it landed on a Sunday. So it was mm. kind of like. I think the only thing that got me with was going to church that morning, maybe. Okay. Because it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot daylight savings time happened. So it was like, oh, man. Now I got to, you know, I, I play at my church, so a lot of times rehearsal is like at 10. So it's Bless like, ooh, you know what? I'm going to be a little later than usual. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you understand. 
God knows my heart. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So let's get a couple quick shout outs in, shall we? Okay. Um, shout out to Facebook and IG for shutting down for hours on Wednesday, throwing folks into a fucking frenzy. Excuse my French. <laughs> and showing us just how addicted to social media we are. That was crazy. It was. I low-key, uh, when that happened, I, I thought something was just going on. I was like, okay. Because you know how your phone just loses. Mm-hmm. You're, like, mm-hmm. you're thinking like, Oh, okay, maybe my phone service is acting up. Let me cut the Wi-Fi off, cut it back on, something. Oh, you were troubleshooting. Shout, yeah. out, shout out to Apple. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> Do the five hours. Yeah, right. Let's try it out. And when I saw it was still acting up, and then I got on my actual computer, and it was like, Facebook was tripping. I'm like, okay, this must be a server thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> People were losing their minds, and at first I was like, yo, like, what meme or what post did did you have to share that bad to where you're this upset? Like you just have memes in the clutch, like waiting to come out. Right. And then I was like, from a creative standpoint, we have to realize that a lot of people, um, really have to share their content on social media, i.e. Facebook and IG. And it's a business at the end of the day. So I get it. Um, I think it made it even more apparent to me as a creative or trying to be a creative that, um, it's important to have, a platform to where your audience can reach you even if a Facebook is down or an IG is down. So definitely as this podcast grows and um, I definitely want to build my brand, create a site of some sort so that if if you fuck with me, you can fuck with me at all times. I don't don't have to depend on a big name company or whatever. So, (laughs) So, you know, eventually baby steps. But that was really interesting to me. Shout out to Facebook and IG for working so efficiently and promptly to get that situation <laughs> taken care of. <laughs> yes, they said uh, right on time, yeah. guys. We know you need to post your pictures, scroll through and see your videos. Heaven forbid you have to stay off of your phone for a whole day. But whatever. <laughs> it's not my place to judge. Whatever. Um, second shout out is shout out to the employees of a St. Paul, Minnesota Domino's. Um, this week they had a gun pulled out on them when they forgot to put chicken wings on a to-go order. Um, <laughs> and shout out to Hollywood Unlocked for bringing the story to the forefront. But this is the kind of foolery that we deal with. Um, Shorty pulled a gun out, bro. I feel it because sometimes I get home after getting chicken nuggets and like that. They didn't put my sweet and sour sauce in there, and I'd be upset. <laughs> but never would I ever pull a gun out on folks. Wow, like, C- could you imagine? I'm trying to really imagine that, but you know what? I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee, so when I say I've seen some strange things, <laughs> strange I've things. seen some strange things. So, I mean, to hear that story, honestly, it's just like, well, you know what? Where I'm from, that's kind of like a, oh, that's nothing. You know, that kind of happened. I mean, I know somebody that did that at the Walmart. Oh, no. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Welcome to Memphis. Okay. You know? <laughs> Thanks, guys. You know? So, I don't know. That's scary for me. People are really out here with some serious mental health issues that are not being addressed. So shout out to Domino's uh, employees for handling themselves well under distress. But um, let that be a lesson to you. Please don't forget people's stuff when they pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do better with those delivery orders. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to pull it on you and you're like, uh, sorry, we can give you some free cheese sticks or something right Mm-mm. well maybe you shouldn't be ordering from Domino's anyway but that's neither here nor there um <laughs> so um those are all of my shout outs do you have any shout outs that you want to give out this week Ooh, let's see shout out shout outs um oh man I'm trying to think of uh who you know uh is, is it promise season yet <laughs> no almost in a couple months okay maybe uh, next month maybe I you know uh 
gonna say, well, probably an early shout out to uh, you ladies out there, nice. probably getting that prom dress ready, you know, for prom season. You know what I mean? That's and, a good shout out, Dwayne. You know, oh, that's awesome. Song, you know, off the top of the dome, you know, that's kind of how we do it. You know, <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah, shout out to prom season. Make sure you are responsible, but have fun. It's one of your last big memories of high school. I definitely remember my prom, so <laughs> and those involved remember it as well. Yeah. But yeah, shout out to the prom season and all the high schoolers about to graduate and start their lives. Yes, yes. That's what's up. All right, y'all. So we're going to get into a little bit of what I thought about this week. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, so one thing that I thought about this week is that there are movies that I secretly wish Jade, who is my three-year-old, um, will go off and watch when she's like a teenager, where I don't have to put them in front of her, but I hope that she gets to them some way, somehow. <laughs> but I don't want to be the one to bring them to her, <laughs> because maybe she shouldn't be watching them, but I hope that she finds them, right? Um, so I was binge-watching a lot of our like teenage movie cult classics, on um, Netflix, I'm watching the uh, 40-year-old version and Zach and Mary and all of the American Pies, one through three, everything after that, I don't like so much. Yeah. Um, super bad, you know, movies like that. And, um, and I'm cracking up, but as I'm watching them as an adult and paired with the sensitivity goggles that comes with the era we live in now, I'm like, for one, we had no business watching these movies as a teenager. Like, no business. These movies were reckless. Um, and two, like, they wouldn't survive in today's era, like, at all. Yeah, it's a sensitive generation, you know, so it's kind of like, it was good for its time. Yeah. Uh, still classic to those who came up with it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I hope that Jay can find them in see that there was a time where you had the discernment of knowing, okay, this is a joke versus somebody who's doing it in bad taste. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Wes. I feel like he said that about something in one of the past podcasts. But yeah, like you should just know the difference. Like I was watching the 40-year-old version and you know the older Indian man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so him and the black guy, I don't know his name in the movie, but they would go back and forth. Like they would banter a lot. And he made like a black pe people joke, the Indian guy. And I'm just thinking, damn, that was funny, but damn, I'm super sensitive to it. Like, I should not be laughing. That was funny. Like, wait, wait, wait. That kind of hit home at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, I'm laughing, but I feel bad about it. But yeah, I, I think that um, there are definitely movies that I did not feel com comfortable watching with my parents. I still don't feel comfortable watching them with my parents. Um, don't think I would feel comfortable watching them with Jade, but they're classics nonetheless. They they were essential to our adolescence or our teenage years, and you know, it was nice to look back on them. But there are movies that my dad put me onto that I also have to pass down to Jade, and when they get to her, she's gonna be like, this is archaic. Like, okay. what time frame was this? So I'm talking like, um, I have a list actually, okay. but like, you know, I have um, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Boomerang, um, the, the freaking Vampire in Brooklyn, Menace to Society, South Central, Juice, American Me, Blood In, Blood Out, All the Godfathers, Scarface, um, the, the um, Craft, Fear with Marky Mark. Like I can go on and on and on. Like these are classic movies that I grew up on. Or grew up with, and I would need to pass those down to Jade. Man, those are absolute musts. I mean, <laughs> like, 
I don't even know where to start from a list like that. It was just like... I was definitely going to say, so what what movies would you want to pass down to the next generation of Dwayne Dickies? Ah, glad you passed. Let's see. Um, Definitely, any and every single Friday. Yes. That's a must. That's all I Menace to Society was definitely one. Um, Believe it or not, I would take uh, Hustle and Flow and ATL. You know, yes! Yeah, like, yes, uh, great add-on, yes. Those two, uh, from a music culture standpoint, it says a lot about how rap was at that time for us. Especially up. from us being in the South, for sure. Yes, mm-hmm. growing up being in the South and just like what Southern music's roots are like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see, man. Uh, there's so many. Shatas, too. I forgot to add Shatas. Shatas, yes. <laughs> you know, Shatas. Um, Man, there's just so many of them. Like, right. uh, you could say an Antoine Fisher. Ooh, nice. Gosh, I mean, even Training Day, really. Yes, you know, yeah, got to get Denzel in there. Um, oh, t- all about the vision. All oh about the vision. Literally, <laughs> almost every Ice Cube movie, except for the Are We There Yet? I, I, like, they were okay, but. Yeah, I was kind of rocking with the first one. The second one kind of lost me after a while. Um, and of course, we cannot forget about white chicks because the Wayans <laughs> brothers, for sure. anything the Wayans brothers have done in like the edge of history, like I'm telling you, you have like almost every movie that a Wayans brother is in, you have to like pass to the next generation. You have to. Yeah, they're great. Like that whole family is talented for yes. sure. But I was thinking too, like I went to um, Barnes and Mobile on this past week and. Like, I don't know. I just wanted to go on, like, a book spree. Mm-hmm. And I started going through some of the books that I read growing. And I was like, these are books that I have to make sure are in Jade's collection as well. Like, um, uh, I like Bud Not Buddy, The Watsons Go to Birmingham, um, A Girl Named Disaster, The Series of Unfortunate Events, um, The Chronicles of Narnia. Um what is another one? Uh, um, the uh, BFG. Anything by Ronald Dahl is hilarious to yes, me. Yes. Matilda and the Witches. Like, there's so many books that I also want to pass down to Jay. So yes. I'm looking forward to <laughs> giving Agreed. her some of these things that I grew up with. I would say, uh, for me, like, favorite childhood books. Um, man, they, I don't know if they even really remember these, but like, they used to have those. I used to read those Animorph books a lot. Yeah. Animorphs. Oh Animorphs. That's hilarious. Those, and um, the Goosebumps. Yes, Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, you know, the Arthur books were cool, but I mean, we got the TV show right. for Arthur, so you right. know, shout out to P- that. PBS Kids um, Network. Holes. Definitely. Mm. Oh my god. Another Ronald Dahl book. Yes. Like the book, the, the movie is amazing, but like. No, uh, never mind. That's not Ronald Dahl. I'm sorry. Was it? Was it? Okay. I, 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 I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the Harry Potter books. I mean, who can't say that that wasn't iconic at the time when they were out, like, and how it still carries on with the movies, but like the books, the books were literally like that deal when they came out, right? Like, you know, Grand Grand told me to not read Harry Potter because it was witches. You know, Grand Grand is like Christian grandmother yes. from the South. Yes. So I, I didn't, I read the first Harry Potter book and just never read any more of them until recently I binge watched all of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, you know, I was about the same way with that. Um, a lot of times I think if I did read them, it was because of like class projects. School had you do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, school had to do it, but just from reading them, I mean, it was pretty cool. I didn't watch too many of the movies. I think mm-hmm. I just watch like maybe the first one just to be like oh dope you know yeah, it's dope. the books but the books were always kind of cool just because when you have 
your own visionaries of like, you know, what you're pitch, you know, visualizing when you read something. Right. And what's fun for me is when, um, when they make movie renditions of a book and they actually get it right yes. because there's some books that I've read and I see the movie I'm like this is nothing like I imagined it to be inside of my head y'all just ruined it for me so. <laughs> and I think Holes was one of those books or one of those movies that did the book justice it did you know um just you know again just in school from like reading it it was like and it was crazy too because for us really when we came I just thought about the fact that the movie came out not even like a year or two after right. we started reading the book. So it was dope to see like how both the book and the movie have now been like a piece of history where like you can read the book, right. get your own visual, and then see the movie and be like, that's exactly what I pictured. It's dope. It's, it's dope. nice. Shout out to the movies and the books that our kids are going to be forced to read because we need them to. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Another thing this week, Jaden Smith brings clean water to Flint. High five. Yes. Hand claps. This is great. Um, Just Good Company, which is Jaden Smith's um, foundation and First Trinity Missionary Baptist Church. Whoa, I said it all one breath. Uh, First Trinity Missionary Baptist Church teamed up to announce that they will be deploying mobile, mobile water filtration systems called the Water Box. This is dope. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is so cool. Man, props to Jaden. I mean, yeah. Um, the Smith family, man, what can you say? Like, they're just awesome people, uh, you know, and I know some people have their opinions on the kids a lot of times, like, mm-hmm. you know, they outside the box, but, man, live in your artist, you know, artistic nature, man. Like, yeah. Who you are is who you are, and what you do is what you do, you know, and um, that's major props to you, Jada, for real. That's, that's dope. Yeah, that's what I was going to basically say is that um, it's so nice to see a socialite, quote-unquote, or kids of very famous parents um, be in the media for positive things because Jaden and Willow have only been in the media because of them being their artistic selves or because they didn't fit the description of what we felt like a normal black child would be, but they are really just free living their best lives. You know, it's never anything negative. We see so much of like a socialite being caught up in like a cheating scandal, drugs and alcohol, like a whole bunch of just foolery. Mm -hmm. And for them to have stayed away from it for this long is great. I'm so happy. That's that's dope. And you know what? It's so funny, too, because call, call me weird for thinking this, but I feel like, you know, like Jay-Z and Beyonce's child, well, children now, because mm-hmm. even with the twins, like, but uh, Blue Ivy, I mean, you know, Kanye, well, I mean, I know it's a Kardashian, but, like, <laughs> you know. They Northwest, are West children. Yes, yeah, they're West, they are West children, children. So, like, you know, Northwest, you know, I'm pretty sure will be unique in their own ways as well. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's just like when you have a unique name, I feel like something needs to go <laughs> You have to live up name. to the name. Exactly, you know, so who's to say? But uh, again, shout out to the Smiths because you guys are really showing that you don't have to be the typical celebrities kid that's out here just wilding to get attention and make a name for themselves like you're following your own path mm-hmm. doing your thing right and i like watching even jada and willow on a red table talking it seems like yes jada just really allows willow to come into herself and she gives guidance where where she feels like needs to be put but she's not like an overbearing parent agreed so it's it's, it's dope to see how the kids are growing up like yeah. I'm talking like I've helped raise them, but I mean we have watched them grow up for sure. Yeah, we we have. I mean, uh, seeing Jaden like in the movies, you know, when yeah. he was just a little young and like how he's just 
came to his own now. Yeah. Uh, people try to crap on him at times with the acting, like, you know, like he just didn't get that gift from his dad or anything. But it's like, you know, so what? He's had his iconic movies that he's been in with Will or without Will. Right. I still say that Karate Kid remake was pretty dope. Don't care. Oh, no, that was a really dope remake for sure. I thought it was pretty cool for what it was, you know, so shout out to him and Jack Chan, you know, but, uh, you know, with the, with the Willow kids, you know, with the kids, the Smith kids, I'm yeah. saying Willow kids, Lord Jesus. <laughs> uh, with the Smith kids, like, right. legit, they, who they are is who they are, and I love every bit of that, you know. I agree. I like them. So, shout out to Jaden doing great things out there in Flint, bringing clean water to the, to the people. Shout yes, out to you. Yes. All right. Um, this doesn't necessarily happen this week, but it's definitely something still in everybody's mouth. Um, it's still a, a very present conversation. The Finding Neverland documentary about Michael Jackson. Did you watch it? Okay. So, <laughs> man, that's crazy touchy for me because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to try to watch this, but I've been listening to people's thoughts on it that yeah. have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... One of the thoughts was, yes, he did it even after seeing that. It was like, they feel like he did it. And kind of looked at it in a way of, you know, we got to stop kind of idolizing these celebrity figures that it's like, no, mm-hmm. so-and-so couldn't have done that. No yeah, anybody's capable of anything for yeah, sure. You know, because they, they feel like, oh, you don't know that person mm-hmm. so you can't say what they did and didn't do and that is true but just as much as we don't know that person there's another reason to also say hey benefit of the doubt uh you know in mm-hmm. Michael's case he's gone so yeah he can't know, defend himself which can't. is hella whack that y'all wait until that but yeah exactly mm-hmm. but even if we don't know Michael Jackson I know a lot of people out there who know him mm-hmm. ask Chris Tucker or somebody right. you know they, these are people that Literally, you know, he had those select friends that literally hung out with him and knew who he was. Uh, I wanted, if I hear Tate McCulley Coping, Mr. Home Alone himself. <laughs> For sure. If anybody knew Michael in his childhood days, he definitely did. I want to hear his thoughts. Yeah. Like, let, let him come out and say, if he says something like that, then I would have to be like, okay, maybe that's the truth. You right. Know? Uh, but come on, man. He, homie didn't have a childhood. Exactly. I I feel the same way you feel. I have not watched the documentary. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not giving them my viewership because it'll be one thing if if I felt like they were doing it off the strength of okay, we honestly feel like Michael did it. We want to give his victims a platform to really tell their side of the story and really dig deep into what happened. If it was like that, maybe potentially, but still, like you said, that's that that's kind of a touchy subject because we love Michael. Like every everybody has grown up with Michael, but I just feel like at this point, a lot of these um, networks are doing things off of like clickbait or just for views or for monetary gain. And when you try to I don't know, like, try to bring up something like this and just diminish Michael Jackson's name, it's a touchy subject for me. Now, like you said, granted, was he a little weird? Sure. Like, perhaps. But, as you said, he did not have a childhood. And everybody wants to assume the worst. Like, oh, okay, he was having slumber parties to do these little things to boys. First of all, as as a parent, why are you allowing your kids to spend a night over Michael Jackson's house? Without being supervised. I don't care. Like, I love you, Michael. How about we both stay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But 
I don't know. I just have no understanding of that. And sometimes I'm like, yo, was it strange that he wanted kids to be around all the time? Sure. But like, what if he was just trying to give kids the, the childhood that he never had? I'm sure every kid would love to be inside of this Neverland estate with fucking animals and carnival rides and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's so many different ways to look at it. But I mean, you know, just pedophile doesn't really come to mind. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just kind of one of those things like, it's like, I mean, yeah, there was some stuff that got some little flags here and there. Again, you know, you always got to go and punch your finger to the parents of like, why? Yeah. If you feel that way, why would you? Right. But at the same time, in Michael's case, you, if you're comfortable enough to leave your kids with them, got to be something right you know to say that you know you got to be some type of trustworthy to trust this man with, with your kids like that and then also keep in mind like they they were trying to crack that case for a very long time from what i understand again i didn't watch the documentary i'm just hearing people's takes on it after they've watched it mm-hmm. but like they they were investigating him for 10 years and could not find any kind of evidence so you're bringing me a whole bunch of hearsay and and, and sob stories af- after these two people actually got in court on oath and said Michael didn't do anything. I'm sorry. That's a hard pill to sw- swallow. I can't. Yeah. And then even Aaron Carter. Do you know who Aaron? Do <laughs> yes, you remember Aaron Carter? Of course. He, he was on TMZ and he was like, um, HBO, my dog's making so much noise, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he was just saying that, um, like the network offered him like thousands to come on and basically testify and say that or to give his story rather he was like no because michael jackson did not display any of that behavior towards me you know so and and apparently he knows one of the guys personally and felt like he had to put put the paws on him so you see and and that's why i would just be like you know i wouldn't look at it as you know idolizing the celebrity figure in this instance it's more like I don't know. I mean, you can just, you don't, we may not know him personally, but you can just tell, man. I mean, uh, if you compare that to like the R. Kelly situation, like when you listen to R. Kelly's music and you hear the story, you're like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And plus the visual evidence. I mean, he was with Thank you. You look at Michael and it's like, well, okay, let's look at facts here. Okay. How many kid celebrities have Mike been around and what did they ever say? Right. You know? uh, normal kids, everything. I mean, you listen to Mike's music, it ain't nothing but positivity, feel good. Right. He's humanitarian for crying out loud. I mean, right. You know, for crying out, for Pete's sake. <laughs> I to say about I that. mean, no, but seriously, that's the only way you can describe Michael. I understand. Yeah, and and I'm glad you actually brought up R. Kelly because what I don't like is people try to compare the two and say, okay, well, if we're canceling R. Kelly, we have to cancel Michael too. No, hold your brakes, pimp. Like, it doesn't work like that because they are two completely different situations. R. Kelly has video. He has proof. He's like, there's multiple people coming out saying the same story, you know, so that's different. And I don't like this narrative of like, Black people jumping on this saying, okay, they, whoever they are, probably the white man or whatever. They are always trying to diminish a black man's legacy on the culture. And I feel like you can't always throw that narrative on things because sometimes you have to hold people accountable. 
And in R. Kelly's situation, we have to hold him accountable. Yes, he made great music. Yes, it's okay to fuck with R. Kelly, the artist, but not Robert Kelly, the pedophile. But also acknowledge the fact that he did wrong. And, and I don't even like when they try to bring up, oh, well, the, the, the age of consent inside these other countries is 14. Who, who cares? We're, we're talking about here. And y'all know that if R. Kelly was messing with your 14-year-old, you would have no sense of understanding of it, period. Agreed. So, I mean, swag. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing more you can say, but it's definitely no comparison to... Uh, I mean, that's two totally different situations. While the subjects are very serious on both accounts, two totally different aspects. I mean, like, it's, like you said, the proof is in the pudding, literally, you know? How can you not tell that when you've got video evidence of Kelly and, and, and all these women speaking out versus two kids who claim that Michael did these things it's like he had tons of kids so and what's interesting to me is okay here you are years later wanting to give your testimony after you've already gone to court under oath said michael didn't do it after he's afforded you the opportunity to become a well-known choreographer or to travel the world or to 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 live out your dream how convenient now that he's dead and cannot speak up for himself now you want to come out and supposedly tell your story yeah. It's just it's just a lot of fishy stuff going on. It is. It's a little too fishy, man. I mean, uh, all I can say, the real exposed individual here is the money. Because um, that's yeah. the mode these days to get anybody and everybody to say something. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, really I feel bad for Mike's family right now. For sure. Uh, because I can only imagine what his oldest daughter, Paris, is thinking just and even hearing about the stuff. Yeah. Me. You know, just let the man rest in peace. Let the man rest in peace. I think I saw somewhere where they're going to actually sue either the network or sue the two boys, the two men that uh, man. shared their testimony or whatever. Yeah, man. Look, look guys, money ain't worth it. You know? <laughs> Integrity is, 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 you know, you can't do everything for money. Especially if this somebody has been kind to you. And again, we don't know. We don't know. But at this point, I got to go by cold, hard facts. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Like in the in the tower we live in and the whole Jesse thing, I need to see facts. I don't want to hear no <laughs> sob stories. I want to see evidence. Period. Evidence don't lie. Yeah. So <laughs> um, shout out to that, but not really because I'm not watching it. So. Mm. Um, also this week, um, a video has gone viral of a 12-year-old rapper, Lil C-No, real name Corey, um, who was facing felony charges for selling CDs in, in a mall, his CDs in a mall. He's a um, rapper, um, but he's more on like the positive tip. He's not like a trap rapper. He's a positive rapper. That's what they call it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a crazy story. I believe the incident happened in, in October, but the video has just recently gone viral. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of hits home cause it actually happened here at Cumberland. Wow. Yeah. And it's, and it's sensitive because we know like Cobb County has a reputation of being prejudiced and, and, and we, and they have a reputation of having a crazy flawed police system or police officers rather. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Um, 12 years old, rapping positive music at that, like, and he's just trying to sell CDs. That's what I'm saying. He gets all of that. 
<laughs> all of that. Wow. And, um, you know, he's he's going to court for it now, which I'm assuming, or he's going to court for it soon, which is why it's really making headlines now. Um, the cops haven't released, or the police department hasn't released the officer's body cam footage, which is interesting enough. But his aunt, um, the little C-note, <laughs> um, filmed the whole thing. And just from the film, you can see where Corey was calm and he was respectful he was basically tell, telling the officer that he knows his rights and the officer was overly aggressive wow. for sure oh man my heart goes out to that child man um you know because that that that's what you would call trying to destroy a dream you know mm. like everybody out here is just you know trying to make it how they make it and i mean that's a young entrepreneurial mind right there we're on the same page, my brother. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like, real talk. I mean, as an artist myself, I mean, it's like when you're hearing that someone of the future that's literally out here just trying to make a living off of a gift that is given unto them. And, you know, and then on top of that, it's positive. You mm -hmm. know, so it's like, it's not like it's encouraging something that he may or may not be really about. Like, he literally giving y'all something positive for your mind and keep, you know, the culture good, you know, to keep the culture influenced and this is happening to them. It's like, yeah, wow, it, it sucks. And, you know, I, I, I hate to bring everything to a race thing, but it is what it is. This is just another, another evident way of how the criminal justice system or the judicial system is flawed in the sense of where black individuals get harsher punishment or harsher sentencing versus their white counterparts because we've seen instances where white women have killed children or have tortured their children and they get like a probationary sentence or they get like it's not even that serious for them and um you're right like at this point we can't win, okay? You don't want us out here trapping. You don't want us being thugs. You don't want us doing all all that street shit. But then when you have a young man at 12 who's doing positive rapping and who's just trying to sell his CDs to get his art out, he also gets yoked up and is charging felony charges or is facing felony charges. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't even, you know what? That's one of those things I'm going to have to ask. You know, I got a couple of homies that, you know, I have a homie who is a cop. And mm -hmm. um, him and his wife are both cops. And um, I'd have to ask him about that one because I'd be like, homie, please explain to me how or what about that is a felony. Mm -hmm. How you can get a felony just off selling CDs. Because if that's the case, we all some felonies. <laughs> <laughs> we all out here slinging something. Seriously, I mean, yeah. like, again, I got CDs. I just sold them wherever possible. Does that make me a felon now? Right. Like, it's weird. You know, like, I don't. I don't get that. It's Super like, crazy. And then, like, I'm sure him selling his CDs was not affecting any business. And then also, um, apparently, he wasn't selling his CDs at the time. He was just hanging out with friends. I don't know. And then you know how that is. Like, I did not come here with the intent to sell anything. I'm just out here. But shoot, I'm also a like I'm also an entrepreneur, so if I see an opportunity to where I might be able to pass along something, then I'm gonna do that. And you know, he got caught up in the or one of the store owners called the cops on him, which is hella trash. I hope you feel terrible about yourself. Yeah, I think I know what the case of that is. That's more so like he was giving more business than that store owner over there. You know how the malls be. You know, you don't really get too much traffic, and you just feel like, oh man, he's soliciting right now. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm gonna call the cops on you. Haters. You don't get off my, you know, my little section property right now because mm -hmm. 
we, you know, we, we trying to get to your customers and y'all scaring them away with them CDs. Like, what? Come on, man. <laughs> get out of here. Come on. That's Come crazy. On. So, um, you know, of course, uh, the big homie T.I. has been very vocal and is showing his support and um, making the story well known and doing what he can to help little C-Note. So I'm going to be watching that case and see how that unfolds because it's a whole bunch of buffoonery. Like, that's crazy. A 12-year-old facing felony charges for selling his CDs that he made. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to follow up on that some more, too, man. Shout out to Uncle T.I. You know, that's Uncle Tip now. You know what I mean? Yeah. What up, Uncle Tip? (laughs) But, uh, wow. That's up to you, man. For sure. All right, well, that wraps it up for my topics this week. Did did anything happen this week that stood out to you? Do you feel like it's with... Oh, my gosh, trailers. Yes. Oh, my gosh, let's talk about trailers. Yes. So, um, the Game of Thrones final season trailer has dropped. I had goosebumps. I cannot wait until Danny reaches the north. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, 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 I'm excited to see what Jamie's going to do after he walked away from Cersei. Um, interested to see Cersei go down because she has to. I hate this bitch. Sorry. Excuse my French again. Um, yeah. So don't talk to me for the whole month of April is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> Shout out to that. Um, the trailer for Avengers Endgame came out. Yes. yes. I know that's exciting for you. Yes. Would you like to... Okay. Lead the discussion. I, yeah, well, you know, let's just put it this way, man. Um, I literally had not, okay when the last Avengers came out. Okay, I saw it for the first time when it was out, and I have not rewatched it ever since because the way that ended, even though I saw uh, it coming, because uh, I knew there was going to be two parts. When Spider Man, like, oh my god! Yes, it was just like spoiler because I'm sure everybody's seen it. Like right. That, so. Right. My homie Black Panther gone, Spider gone, <laughs> like those two alone just made me just like work for right. real. So honestly, I have not watched it on purpose. I I'm like I'm not gonna rewatch <laughs> Infinity War because I wanna see what finally happens after the fact. And so now I'm just sitting there, I've seen both trailers, um, the recent one that just dropped and that just made me more anxious for April. I'm like, come yeah. on, April, let's go. I feel like it didn't give me goosebumps the way that Game of Thrones did. I'm thinking, because I'm like, how are these characters that are left going to defeat Thanos when this man got all the Infinity Stones? Ah. You know, I'm thinking Iron Man and Thor is going to be the ones to really, like, put, put in the most work. This is true. However, there is an X factor now because... Uh, Miss Captain Marvel has now entered yes, into this. Saw that. And uh, she, uh, shout out to her for her movie. To those who haven't seen it, I won't show no spoilers on that. But that movie was a, a pretty dope movie to set up. And it had a nice little ending scene that kind of kind of introduces you to how she uh, enters the fold. I would say. Nice, okay. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how her role plays because. Uh, Based off seeing that movie, she's a lot stronger than I thought she was. Mm-hmm. So it should be interesting to see uh, if she's like a secret weapon or, like I said, I mean, even with Thor, he kind of showed in Infinity War that he can handle Thanos now. So I don't know. This is going to be kind of fun. I, I, am, um, I will say this, though. The Hulk better come out this time. <laughs> right, because he was at the crazy. That. Yeah, that, that, that had me uh, kind of tee off. Like, I was like, really, Hulk? For real? You just going to cower like that? And then, you know, 
Oh my goodness, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so also, we were teased this week also with the Bel Air trailer, and everyone's like, "So where is the date? Like, when is it? When is it premiering?" And then we later found out that it's actually just a filmmaker teasing us and showing us what could be. But yo, if he really makes that into a movie, I'm watching it. It was great. Yes, I. I, I, wow, all I could say was, you know, I had a group chat and that's how I first came across the trailer. Like, I woke up and I saw it and I was like, Bel Air. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, right. is this what I think it is? Like, you know, so I looked at it and it was just like, whoa, this is what's up. Like, yeah. you know, seeing them in like a, a Philadelphia world, seeing how it's, you know, and then like, it, it literally had a brother hook. But there was a few little nitpicks, if you will, you know. Okay, what what were your nitpicks? What didn't you like? Okay, so based off, you know, even though this is family and like a kind of what if scenario, it was uh, it was things that kind of got me like, okay, so everybody knows how iconic Fresh Prince is. Yeah, we mm-hmm. know that what we remember most about this show is colorful, bright. You know, yeah, it's yeah. bright comedic moments, like yeah. how much of a character Will actually is. Like, yeah, You know, yeah. like, yeah, you know, he's from Philly and he brought the street out there to Bel Air with, for, you know, for a while, but then the Bel Air lifestyle got to him a little bit and he was kind of adjusting and, you know, but still was that character that he was even really while he was in Philly up until this point. Right. So I like the fact that they're showing you a more serious aspect. I like mm-hmm. how it was like, okay, we, we're going to make this a little bit more real stick kind of feel but you know it still could have I mean it looked like there might have been some comedic moments from that trailer maybe mm-hmm. but you could just see a little more of an actual drama drama and yeah. it was like well okay is there going to be any comedy in it like outside of what may make us laugh even though it's a serious moment like it seems know? like every remake that well not every but a lot of the remakes that we're getting now are like the dark version of the original like yeah. um Mowgli on Netflix how that was like a dark twist to Jungle Book or um yes. or um Sabrina how that was a dark twist on on uh on um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and this like not necessarily dark but definitely not that vibrant comedic like 90s feel that we got from the original Fresh Prince. Agreed. You know, I mean, I will say I like the visuals. Um, yeah, for know, sure. Like the way they did the mansion was like, yo, that's. I mean, you never even from watching the show you would be like, yo, you know what? Yeah, that mansion was weird. Like Uncle Phil, I forgot. He, <laughs> I forgot you know, he had things like that. You know, right. Also, yeah, they got they got a good goods. You know, and you're like, wow. Um, my main beef though, low key, was. They had every character except for one. Where my homie Jeffrey at, though? Like, Word! You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you have to have Jeffrey. Yeah, like, you gotta have Jeffrey. They ain't Fresh Prince without Jeffrey. Come right. on, you gotta have Jeffrey's brother. And it was just like, they, he kind of like 86 and out of it. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, I've compared it to the Power Rangers movie, low key. Like, I like the Power Rangers movie. movie more than I thought I would. It like it was cool, yeah. but it still wasn't like go go power Yeah, you know like yeah. it, that's that's kind of like how I look at it. So like, on my opinion, it was like Bel Air caught me 
just off watching the trailer and then of course Power Rangers having the actual movie. Right. Uh, it was just like I was half and half, you know, like part of me as a little kid that like grew up around this time of watching Fresh Prince and Power Rangers, it was like, well, okay, dope, you know, like, hey, you know. This is this is the struggle of being at that midpoint to where you're kind of caught between two generations to where you're old enough to remember back in the day but you're still young enough to accept the new flavor and this you're like our shit was better but the, but, <laughs> but i will allow it <laughs> i will allow it agreed so yeah. like i mean i guess to say that in about 10 to 15 years we might not feel that way no more like when oh no we're making something we remember you know like you know, like take all that for example. I mean, are we yeah. that? I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that when we'll that see. comes. We shall see. Yeah. You know? That's what. I'm, oh, and Aladdin trailer dropped. Words. Yes. Son. Oh my gosh. Uh, I am happy. I, I I have no qualms. I said. I then said that. Um, you know, I think everybody's qualm was Genie and how Robin Williams really embodied that character and made it what it was and we couldn't see anybody replacing him what i had to go into the situation with is okay i'm not replacing you i'm just gonna allow will to make the character his and i think that he's gonna do it and it looks like it's gonna be really good yeah you know um i i get it y'all like robin williams my man robin williams you know rest in peace you know he's iconic yeah in every single way but let's be fair. So is Will. Will yes. Smith kind of get his own right, y'all. Let's yeah. not forget. People, people forget like, how big of a star Will Smith is. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, okay, for my, my comic book DC nerds out there, when Suicide Squad dropped, okay, be real, Will Smith made that movie not fall to the ground. <laughs> honestly, if he hadn't been in that, that movie probably would have went a whole different direction. You know what I mean? DC right. was already kind of failing on their movies as it was, but... Will Smith made Deadshot like a likable character for him to be technically a villain. Mm. So it was like, Will Smith, shout out to you, you know. So I think he'll do a good job. You know, we forget he's very animated. You mm-hmm. know, watch the first Prince. I mean, you know how animated he can get. For sure. You know, and so I, I, I believe in Willie Smith, Willie Will. You know? <laughs> he can come in and uh, you know, and surprise us. Uh, but Latin, yes, I'm. I'm I'm here That's for it. one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm excited to see this. Uh, I was nervous at first about it. But now, you know what? It looks like they're sticking to it. And this is going to be dope. I can't wait to see Jafar. Like, he looks like yeah. a punk low-key. But, you know, character-wise. I don't know. I, I guess you have to watch Game of Thrones. So, I can't even make this reference. But he's giving me, like, a Baelish. Those who watch Game of Thrones... Um, he's giving like a Baelish feel where he's like this slender, like mysterious, but he gets it popping. Like he's very devious and he puts things into motion. And that's kind of what Jafar was too, though. He wasn't like yeah, he, outwardly aggressive or anything. He really wasn't. I mean, you didn't really get intimidated, quote unquote, by him until she really he turns until the he got evil genie. genie. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. he turned the evil genie when he got genie to control and basically be his master and all that yeah. it's like all right now he's something to mess with but i mean other than that we'll, we'll see we shall that we shall all right y'all well that wraps up what did i think about this week on to our introspective moments introspective moments with nina 
So, um, as I mentioned in the intro to the pod, and as you said during our conversation, you are an artist. And I hear a lot of rappers say, oh, don't don't call me a rapper. I'm an artist. I don't want to be put into a box. But I feel like that artist definitely applies to you because not only are you gifted as a lyricist, but you're an extraordinary sax player. Yes. <laughs> so where did your passion for music start? Wow. I'm so glad you asked. Um, truth be told, I come from such a music family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my dad was, a, well, he still is a drummer. Um, you know, he, he, he's just one of the baddest drummers I've ever like known for his time. And he, you know, just drummed for a lot of the old school bands a lot of times, Temptations and Barcades and just a lot of those groups that your parents would know about and you'd be like, oh my gosh, that was, that was my group, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, you know, on my mom's side, it was more like with her, she, I've just been around a lot of artists, especially gospel artists that, right. like, like a Mary Mary, for example. She she was working with them when they were on the come up, like literally when they were on that come up. And so you know, just I guess from watching her being the type of person she was, always around music, music just kind of stuck with me over the years. And um, yeah, you know, I just I remember middle school. You know, you remember middle school, <laughs> yes. days, like. Summer hours showing up to so, your concert. Come yeah. on out, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and they were just like, they were like, hey, you want to join orchestra? You want to join band? And it was like, I went to, I remember going to band, and then I was, it was something about band that was exciting to me. Yeah, it's definitely like, different energy. Yeah, you know, and then I went to orchestra and I was trying to get with the vibe, but <laughs> maybe it was the teacher. I think it was the teacher. Yeah. It was probably the teacher because when it, when it came to orchestra, I tried, like, I was like, Nah, I ain't really feeling right. it, you know, so I just went and I joined band. And, uh, I remember initially I wanted to play, I think it was trombone, and somehow I ended up with a saxophone. Mm-hmm. I don't even really remember, but it just happened, and like, I've stuck with her ever since. Like, nice. just, I call my sax at her, because... definitely you know, a sax with all those curves. Yes, for sure. yes, all those curves, you know, that's Bay right there. <laughs> that's she, uh, <laughs> Saxophone, man, you know, it's, it's that gift I, uh, I stuck with. You know, most people usually, after, say, maybe, if not the first couple of years of middle school, because you start, like, generally sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So, if not after sixth, seventh grade, usually people tend to quit, maybe, <laughs> right, just about during high school, maybe. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, I don't know, I just stuck with it. Like, I was in middle school, man high school band, went on to college, and I was in marching band, and shout out to the HBCUs, because hey. that's when I learned how to, like, you know, just play, like, the good stuff, you know, <laughs> I swear, like, Drumline is, and Cuzzo knows this, Drumline yeah. is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, that, that needs to go on the classic list from earlier, for sure. Yes, yes, that's yeah. definitely one I will, my kids will absolutely know that movie to a T, okay? <laughs> uh, and so, um, but yeah, Drumline literally was that movie for me, and so, like, Something about that, I remember feeling like Devin when he, uh, to those who remember that scene where he wanted to play the stuff to make the college kids move, and his band director sitting there and making him play Fighter or Bumblebee, and it's like, my <laughs> band across from him is playing all the, you know, the good stuff, they got everybody dancing, and right. he just sitting there like, 
bro, really? We're going to play this crap? Like, right. That's how I felt going to Central Gwinnett. Shout out to Central Gwinnett. <laughs> but what I always envied Cuzzo over here about was because she went to Metal Creek. Metal Creek band was popping. Yes. Like, they were better than the football uh, team at the time. Pe- people yes. came to the games for the for the band. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I will never forget that time we went, like, to a home game. I came, I came to Metal Creek and went with her to a home game. I heard that band. I was just like, yo, I wish I went to this high school for that band alone. Yeah. Man, like, I was so jealous. And um, it's funny, though, because I want to say it was through Metal Creek's band playing the stuff that they would play that was hot at the time. Like, somewhere around that time, you know, music also, I have cousins who are, like, musically inclined as well. So... While I was playing sax, I got a cousin who played bass, mm. another cousin who plays keyboard, another one who played drums. So, like, when I would visit back home in Memphis, I remember, you know, they would have these things called shed sessions. A musician plays, you know, we call them set, shed sessions where you just get together, play random stuff, and you just kind of switch it up after a while and keep playing something, just changing up melodies. Right. So, with... Uh, with them, I found out I had the gift of being able to play stuff by ear. Nice. And okay. That's surprising. Nick Cannon. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and the funny thing about Nick Cannon, his character is my dad. Legit. When I got to know my dad, because he didn't grow up in my life. Yeah. To those who didn't know. But when I got about close to 18, I got reacquainted with him and I mm-hmm. got to know him. So he told me that, because Drumline, ironically, that's how you know I'm his son. That's his <laughs> Nice. And he told me, he was like, that character, Devin, that's exactly how I was playing drums. Like, I couldn't read music. I just knew how to play. Mm. And I was like, wow. See, I was opposite because I, thanks to man, knew how to read music. Right. And I didn't know I could play my ear. So when yeah, I found yeah, that yeah. out, it was like, oh, cool. I can do the best of both worlds. It's lit yes, now. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, true story, y'all. I became the <laughs> coolest kid at Central Gwinnett and band, I became the coolest kid once I showed them that I could play by ear. So I remember, thanks to Metal Creek's band, it made me want to learn how to play some songs that was popping. So when the very first song I learned how to play was Jay-Z's, If You're Feeling Like a Pimp, so I learned how to play the beat to that, and I remember I was playing that, and like I had the kid, I had everybody in class that Yo, how you nice. do that? So I'm like, hey, just play this note, this note, this note. So then Sierra Goodies was out at that time. Yeah. And I learned how to play that. Nice. And so I just started playing that. And yo, I had everybody just wanting to learn. So I'll never forget, as I was learning and playing these things, next thing I know, the band director started switching up the songs all of a sudden. You see how it takes one to just leave? <laughs> you see how that works? It, it works. Yeah. I mean, like, next thing you know, we were playing, like, Beyonce Crazy in Love, I think. Just all kinds of stuff. It was it was pretty dope. And uh, even when I went on to college, it was the same effect. Like because I had band directors who were old school, so like, right. they played the old school stuff. You know, like they were playing old school Michael Jackson. They were playing New Edition, like old New Edition, like Mr. Telephone Man. Oh, you know? that's beautiful. Like, yes, and, it's uh, a vibe. Oh yeah, it was a vibe. Like. You appreciate it now, but at that time, as a 19-year-old, you're like, yo, I want to play what's popping now. I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah. With that, right? So, I'll never forget when Lollipop had came out around oh, that time. Oh, boy. 
I went outside after a long practice, and like I played lollipop with my friends, and I'm talking about next thing I knew, I drew a whole crowd because like they were just like, yo, that's lollipop, and they were singing around with it. So my other bandmates came out and heard me playing, and they like, yo, bro, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, hey man, I just I literally just learned this like two seconds ago, and they were like, bro, man, we need to be playing that. So mm-hmm. then I guess word around got to my band director and they were like, so we heard you know how to play what's popping, so we need you to learn how to write music. And it was like, oh, great. So but now you write music for everybody. It, it kind of gets like that. I mean, wow, you know, uh, that's amazing. See, I never knew that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty dope. I mean, um, I can teach a lot of people how to play things now where it was like, cool. You know, that's even dope. With piano, when I couldn't play it, like now I can play piano because of that whole learning how to play by ear. Like mm-hmm. that's a gift uh, to anybody trying to sleep on that gift. Let me tell you, if you found out that you can play by ear, because I was shy about it at first too, but when you find out that art that you can play something that you hear within seconds, you can use that trait to teach so many others. Because I found out there are people who don't have that gift. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I could Show me on the piece of paper what I'm supposed to be playing. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I, I even met a coworker. One of my coworkers told me how he was the guy that can do this thing called sight reading. Mm-hmm. So sight reading is where if you have a sheet, a sheet music in front of you, you know, music has these terminologies. So it's like, um, you know, vibrato, vibrato and just all kinds of different terminologies where when you sight read, it's basically like freestyling. You're watching it, you're playing it for the first time as you're exactly. reading. Yeah, so they had you, us do that in um, orchestra. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, Kazo knows about that. So like you have no practice, no nothing. Like they just put sheet music in front of you and you have to play what you, what the notes you see. Mm-hmm. And you have to just figure out if it's played slow, medium, fast, whatever, you know. And so... He was like, I was that guy that could just sight read exactly how it's supposed to go. Mm. And people thought he was cheating. He's like, no, I just know how to do this. And I was like, It's literally a gift. Like, everybody doesn't have it. Yeah, because I sure couldn't do that. I hated sight reading. You know, like, I knew how to read music, but I hated sight reading. I couldn't stand that. Mm. And he mastered it. But I told him, when I told him I could play by ear, he's like, yep, I can't do that. It's for nothing. <laughs> I was like, what? Every, everybody has their gifts. Yes. So, I mean, obviously you're very musically inclined and it seems like you were born to do this just from the fact that um, your family's from Memphis. I feel like Memphis is just, music just kind of comes from everybody. Like, it's just a feel in that city where you just know you're going to hear some good blues or you're going to hear some good old Elvis Presley or yeah. it's some dope music coming out of there, Dolph and Gotti and them. Like, like Memphis is just dope. So, um... How did you start to transition into rapping and deciding like, okay, this is what I'm going to really pursue? Or did you not really choose one or the other? It chose you. Wow. Um, great question. Cause like, shout out to her for these dope questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happened was I started rapping around 2012, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I hit this little point in my life where I just knew Whatever I was going to do in life, I knew music was going to revolve around it just because it was just something about music that I loved. I mean, I, I could rap. And Cuzzo was another witness of this. That's how far <laughs> we go way back. She knows that in that time frame of when we had CD players, y'all. Right? <laughs> CD players. 
with batteries and all. Yes. I always had headphones in my ears mm-hmm. listening to something. And it was, you know, and, and with some of our favorite iconic hip hop artists, uh, Eminem, a Ja Rule, a 50 Cent, whatever, you know, um, a Jay Z, anybody. I remember I used to be able to rap songs and know them word for word like I wrote them or something. Yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. weird. Um, so, like, going back and fast forwarding, like, I just knew music was going to be some type of calling. So, right around the time of graduating high school, it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do in life, right? And I remember I was going to major in music, but then I kind of switched my major a lot as college students do. For sure. For sure, you know. And right after, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to finish college. I came close, but I didn't get to quite finish. And, you know, who knows? I think it served its purpose and what it was supposed to be mm-hmm. for me. And so... It was right when I got done, it started off with me just taking a break, but before that kind of happened, I just remember summers when I used to come visit Atlanta, I had a couple high school buddies who were rapping. Yeah. One of those buddies was not a surprise because I remember he was doing some music stuff in high school anyway. It was the other guy that surprised me because we were both real big wrestling fans, and so I remember he was, you know, because he's white, and so it was like... He was a guy I was surprised when I found out, but I'm like, wait a minute. In high school, you were, you and me were like the biggest wrestling fanatics ever. And you always had wrestling tees, that guy in school every day. And, you know, again, he was white, so I knew he kind of liked rap, but not right. like that. You know, so I'm like, how did you start rapping? So I wanted to hear that. And to make a long story short, they were under the influence, a little high, you know. It'd be like that. They were playing some beats. Mm-hmm. and uh, You caught contact. No, I'm joking. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, also, I write poetry, you know, so I do some spoken words as well. He's a and, Renaissance man. <laughs> a little something something. And so uh, I remember my aunt, because I used to do these little poetry slams with people who do poetry. And my aunt was like, you know, something about your poems are kind of rhythmic. Almost, it's almost like they're, mm. they're kind of like meant for something. And I'm like, really? So when I visited my homies, you know, I remember I took one of those poems and I spit it over a beat that was really smooth. And it's funny because the poem is called Silly Rabbits. And, uh, <laughs> Silly Rabbits. Silly Rabbits, you know. And uh, literally, y'all, like when I did it, they were like, yo, there's some, there's some potential here. Like, mm, nice. They were like, hey, let's go lay it down. And so this was back when we had a studio in my homeboy's father's garage. <laughs> with And it was hustle and flow style because they had a mattress on top with like screen doors on the side, holding it up. Listen, you get it inside. how you live, man. Exactly. You know, with a PC computer <laughs> running off Adobe or, you know, engineer or something like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's when I heard myself quote-unquote rapping for the first time and it was like it was a surreal moment because you're like that's me y'all like that's what I sound like <laughs> right. that's, that's kind of dope and uh so fast forward a little more um you know my homeboy got saved so he kind of dedicated his life to Christ and I was like cool okay that's what's up so I used to at that time I was kind of trying to find myself as an artist because the whole rap thing with that side of me it started off as like a hobby. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is for fun. This is cool. It's different. And then it got to a point where people were like, yo, you're kind of good at this. Right? <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. So I said, um, I said, well, 
I'm going to kind of pursue this a little bit more. Nice. And then it kind of went from hobby to I'm kind of good. And it's, you know, it was like, man, you're, you're a beast. Really good. Like, yeah. You know, and then it elevated. And it's just like each time it got better and better. And um, yeah, man, it, was just, it would be like a challenge now. I just started writing my own stuff, which I was always doing. I never really had any ghostwriters. I just started writing all myself. Uh, power of the pen. Power of the pen. You know, it helps when you're also a good writer. You know? Yeah. That's another trait of mine that kind of made it natural and easy. But, um, yeah, you know, so when my homie gave his life to Christ, um, I would, you know, growing up in church, I was like, cool. I would, I would gladly, you know, spit some bars, you know, Christian bars for you here and there. Nice. Uh, while I was still doing my thing. Now, when I did secular music, what stood out to me to people was they were like, yo, I love how you just made a dope song and you didn't say a single curse word, bro. How did you do that? Yeah. And it made it seem like it's so impossible. I'm like, yeah. I just, I mean, I was like, I'm I don't use gonna... those words in, in my everyday, so they won't be in my rhymes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was that and it was also just kind of like, well, I mean, I want to rap about real stuff, you know? Yeah. I knew, I knew that people wanted real music because it was like too many people rap about, you know, selling this, doing this, Popping this, popping this, drinking that, effing that, you yeah. know, and all of that. And I got this bad B and all that. And I was like, yo, come on. I don't know this life. I ain't about to lie. I'm not going to pretend that I am. Facts, right? yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how it went. But uh, fast forward some more. This is about 2013. I moved back to Georgia. And my same homie that gave us like the Christ, he had this movement called uh, Clear Vision Movement. So. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, he's, you know, him and another homeboy, they were like, I guess he heard me on some of those songs. I was like, hey, yo, get homie to jo- join in on, our, on this group thing we got. I was like, mm, not so much. I'm kind of trying to, you know, Figure I had been in some out. groups before. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. But uh, I joined in, you know, I rededicated myself with God and I just, you know, gave it some thought and I joined it. And then so we had this group that lasted for uh, about a couple of years and we did a lot of dope things we got a chance to perform in centennial park in front of thousands Ooh. of people it was it was stupid that was yeah. stupid <laughs> like it was a uh, praise the park uh to any of the listeners that's ever been to that you you can attest to how big that event is mm-hmm. uh so that was major we did that two years in a row and, um, you know, we got to travel, you know, city to city. We hit up, like, Miami and West Palm Beach and uh, Memphis, Tennessee, you know, brought them out to my hometown. And, you know, we traveled a little bit, too, and, you know, just made some dope music. And uh, so after a while, about 2015, that's when I kind of branched off on my own. And pretty much from that point up to now, I've been just, like, a solo act that's just been promoting myself as highlight reel mm-hmm. and um what's been so dope about it was you know i don't know like it just kind of was like yo this is now your calling like, mm-hmm. now it's like you have a purpose behind what you're rapping people are really listening and following what you're doing and it was like weird because you were like a lot of times when I do what I do, you never think people are watching or listening. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll be in a public setting and I'll see somebody from, like, high school or college or just somebody I know. And they're like, yo, hey, I checked out your music, man. I've been listening to your music. Oh. Yo, you do some great work. Like, keep it up. I know um, that feels good. 
Oh yeah, it's 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 a it's a humbling feeling because it's like, whoa, you know. And um, I mean, I've just been blessed, y'all. Like I've I've had the opportunity to go on some tours, and I've been on tour. Uh, my first tour was twenty sixteen uh, with uh, Things Coming Full Circle. This was a uh, gospel rapper when I first found out that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an artist from the group Three Six Mafia that brought himself to Christ. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Three Six Mafia. Know about that. Another um, Memphis. <laughs> yes, another Memphis act. Yeah. Uh, that was right around that time when they were actually still hot is when he gave that up and brought his life to God. And so at that time, he had been doing music since like pretty much the new millennium started. And uh, so things came full circle, you know, like I remember being a kid watching him with my mom do an event together. And I was like, yo, this is dope. Uh, you know, I didn't know you could do this in church. Yeah, cool. you know? dope, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so who would have thought years later, as I'm doing this myself, I would be selected by him to be on his tour. And so we got to go city to city. We went through most of the southeast. So we hit up cities like Dallas, Texas, um, Miami, Florida, Orlando, Florida. Um, we hit North and South Carolina, like Charlotte, Greenville. We hit uh, Nashville. We hit just a little bit of everything. A whole Southeast run. That's dope. Yeah, we, we, we were out here too. Of course, here in the A, too. Yeah. We were doing stuff here in the A. And um, that was a dope experience for me because I got to learn more about myself as stage presence and mm-hmm. how to truly put on a good show and get, get you know, people to really, because I always had, like, that it factor of, like, getting a crowd to interact with me. What does it take to get the crowd to interact? Because everybody can't do that. I've seen comics walk on stage, hosts walk on stage, and you're, like, trying to get the crowd to get involved, and, like, everybody's, like, cricket, cricket. <laughs> so how do you get the, the, the crowd engaged? Okay, I'm going to be honest. That art is not an easy thing, um, genuinely, because every crowd is different. That's so, true. It's kind of like you have to, first, as the artist, you have to, or, you know, or comedian, whatever, whatever you do that involves a crowd and getting them to feel The art to that is you have to first come to the venue and just scan it out. Like, sit, mm, sit back. Step it out. And just, like on the wire. Yeah, you know, like, just <laughs> sit back and truly watch. Like, if there's people going on before you. Watch how they get with that person. Mm-hmm. See if the if the vibe. See if they got that energy first, you know. Because if they can do it for somebody else, they can do it for you. Mm-hmm. And so you want to see how their how the crowd is acting. If they seem a little lukewarm, like in between or whatever, then that's cool. You say, well, okay, I'm gonna find a way to get this crowd alive because your presentation is gonna be everything to them because they're gonna see you and they're gonna see an outside presentation and then they're gonna, you know, I, I had a. A person needs to tell me they see you before they hear you. So it's mm-hmm. like, they're going to see what you look like first, kind of judge that a little bit, and then you just kind of get them going. But, yeah, just scope out your crowds, and then if you can, if you're there, say, early, try to interact with some of the crowd. You know, mm-hmm. just go up to people. And shake and hands. Like, yeah, shake hands. You know, just be like, yo, what's going on? Thanks for coming out to the show tonight. I'm so-and-so. I'm going to be performing tonight. Um, you know, so look out for me. Usually those ones you interact with, you would be surprised at, when you interact with those people, let's say, you know how a show drags and you tend to leave early and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Well, the people you interact with, because of how dope of a conversation y'all have, whether it's five or 10 minutes, 
they're going to want to stay for you because they're going to be intrigued by, yo, I want to know what he or she does. Like, mm-hmm. And after that dope conversation we had, I'm going to stick around just to see them real quick before I bounce. So when you do stuff like that, then you're like, you know, and then the next thing you know, you just gain a fan. Um, what you never want to do is you never want to get discouraged by a short amount of people. So, like, if it's a small crowd. Still rocking still like rocking. it's a full house, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love the small crowds because it's a lot, a lot more interactive, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Granted, I've been in front of the large crowds, too. Don't get me wrong. It's an adrenaline rush. <laughs> when you got a crowd that's like 100 people, 500 people, 1,000, like, I've done some shows where it was like, because people ask me, like, you don't get nervous? And it's like, nah, I'm so used to this now. Right. Going back to those band days. Like, That's I'm true. So it gets you ready. You know, it does. But uh, much like Beyonce and them, like, I do know that feeling of you still get a little goosebumps just before you're about to hit the mm-hmm. stage. But the moment they call my name and they say, all right, come to the stage, highlight real, I just, boom, everything goes away. I'm in focus mode. And I just go out there and, and I do it. Uh, but crowds, I performed in front of some dead crowds. But you know what? I like the dead crowds, too, for this reason. Because even my philosophy on that is, even if you ain't bouncing with what I'm saying, like if you're not on stage and you're dancing and bouncing with me or whatever, that's cool. Because I know that I'm going to get you to still hear what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. if you ain't left the building, that tells yeah. you're still rocking okay. me, You know what I mean? So Looking at the glass half full, not half empty. Exactly. Yeah, like, I like that. Yeah. You, you know, you just got to you, you gotta play the field how you see it, and you just you just do you. I mean, you know, it just depends. Like, if you got a show full of teenagers, well, you don't have to do much interaction. They go, the moment that beat drops, if they feel it, they're going right, to start bouncing, yeah. Yeah, they go, they go around sure. with you, and it's just up to you to just keep the energy going from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it's, like, young adults or, you know, or grown folks that's, like, you know, in, in the 40s to 50s, maybe the 60s, you just got to play the stuff that's intimate and let them feel you because at that age, they're more worried about what your message is. That's mm-hmm. why it's like I've gone into traditional settings where I'm the only rapper <laughs> at an entire event where everybody's like singing or, or got choirs or whatever, yeah. you know. And it's funny because it's just like, well, okay. I mean, and I just let it rip. And at the end, they'll, they'll either come with me and they'll say, you know, I'm not really about that rap stuff. But I like but you. I like you. Yeah, I like yeah, your like message. And then I've also been in crowds where, like, oh, my gosh, like, people are just literally, like, you know, it's, it's like a secular setting. I've been in lounges where, like, I'm probably the only Christian act, quote, unquote, and mm-hmm. they may not even know I'm Christian. Like, They're I just like, oh, he got clean rap. He's not talking about trapping and hoeing. I don't want to yeah, listen to it. Yeah, you know, but I get up there. Yeah. And so I got this song called Rich, and, like, it's so funny because it's, it's about being spiritually rich mentally, you know, yeah. feeling, feeling enriched. And the hook is, I'm rich, I'm balling. I'm rich, I'm balling. So I go in, that's like my go-to song anywhere I'm at, whether it's a church, a club, it doesn't matter, like any setting I'm at. So I've been in lounges where I've done that song and like the whole atmosphere, like funny story, right? I was, I had a homegirl who was, uh, she was doing an album release party and it was also like a reality show or something. So it was like a reality taping called um, 
living in the ATL or something. Living the, large in ATL. What the? Yeah, it was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. So it was filmed, a scene filmed in this lounge for my homie Miss Lyrics album release party. So I remember it was mainly women acts, but okay. she had a couple of us fellas started off. Mm-hmm. So we were being like gentlemen, you know, kind of just setting the tone for the ladies. And so I remember I got up there and I was dressed up in this suit, you know, because I'm thinking like, you know, so now I gotta be classy, you know, so I, I switched the style. I didn't even look like a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> and so like I got on stage and I guess people didn't know what to expect. Like they thought I was gonna be like busting some notes and just yeah, singing. Same. And man, that rich song played and I mean everybody was just rocking. I like, love it. But the the thing that was so funny was the atmosphere changed because they they knew not just for me, but the two gentlemen that came before me, they knew we were all like Christian artists. Yeah. They knew like yo, the atmosphere just changed. So right after I get done this lady gets up and she performs and like next thing I know she is straight up hopping like twerking doing some some exotic dances while she's singing <laughs> and it got to a point where she come to me and was like doing that around me and I'm like uh this is kind of weird right uh, you know like read the room oh. lady and like yeah. it got to a point where uh the, the host was like, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to bring highlight back up here to bless the stage. Right? <laughs> I was yeah, like, that's funny. You know, but, um, yeah, man, like, I, I could just be here all day and tell you guys what you want to know. Cause, Which yeah. is, no, true, because you covered a lot of what I was going to ask you anyway, but let's kind of slow it down and, like, dissect a few things. Okay, okay so awesome. let's go back to, to, to your origins, right? So how did you come up with your name, Highlight Real? And mm-hmm. Real is R-E-A-L. Yes, yes. Okay, so what was unique about coming up with that name was in my secular days, I went by D-Real, right? Mm-hmm. It was basic. It was just something to represent, like, the first initial of my name, Wayne. And after I looked up on social media and saw that there's a whole bunch of D-Reals out there, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I need to change this name, right? Right. Um, so at this point, that's when I was transitioning from secular to Christian around that point. So... I just wanted to make a name that was so unique, easy to market, and also just something that if you look it up, you're going to find just me. Not gonna find nobody else. <laughs> nobody else. <laughs> so, you know, I was, you know, I'm a big sports fan, as a lot of people know. Um, so I was watching ESPN, and literally upon watching it, I was like, hey, highlight reel. I was like, you know what? That would be, be dope, especially if I switch up so I, I spell it real unique because I know artists tend to do that. Mm-hmm. They'll take a common word and they'll spell it all unique. So, yeah. you know, I took that. And um, basically when people ask me, like, what's your meaning behind it? I tell them, I say, well, it's pretty basic. It means uh, it has multiple meanings. But initially it was like when you look at a if – you, if you miss your favorite sports team, you're going to watch ESPN for what? To catch the highlights. Genuinely, it's the highlights on a highlight reel is going to show you the best moments of that game. So you're uh-huh. not watching the full of it. You're just watching the best. The biggest moments. Yeah, 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 biggest yeah. moments. So I took that, and in a spiritual way, I said, well, okay, apply that to who we are in God, like who we are in Christ. Like, when you're reborn and you, when you live this new lifestyle, every bit of who you used to be, is now at the forefront to highlight to others 
who you used to be and how that's not you anymore, but because of what you did in the past, that's what brought you to this this calling you mm-hmm. are now. So all of that was like, you're a human highlight reel. Your life is a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just other side meanings of like, hey, you know, you're a highlight and what you do is real. I mean, it's just, the meanings are endless, but it was, it was just something that, I like it. And as you said, it's very marketable. I, I, we're not going to find any more highlight reels out here that is busting bars. So, yeah. Um, so, um, I, like you said, you said you were reborn in Christ. And you were influenced. I don't know if you were influenced by your friend who did it first or if just kind of being around him. was like, you know what, maybe I should rededicate But I grew up with you, so I knew, like, we both grew up in Christian households. You did say, you know, um, your mom worked with Mary Mary. I remember my mom going with your mom to um, different, like, gospel tours and concerts and stuff. So what brought you to a point where you felt like, okay, I have to rededicate versus, okay, I've already been brought up in Christ, so let's just continue. Got you. Um, Well, that's cool. You know, it was uh, one of those instances where, like, you know, again, you're right. My, my, my homie did influence me when I, when I saw that because it was like, yo, dope. You know, that, you know, I felt like that was one kind of signal of like, get back on track. Now, the funny thing about me was, you know, I didn't really do too much off the wire kind of stuff. I mean, you know, a guy's a guy. So, you yeah. know, you're a teenager, you got your hormones, you know, uh, flirting with girls here and there or whatever, uh, being a big flirt or... You know, but nothing ecstatic, you know, I, I wasn't really one that just went off the wall and did things that were just like, on average, you know, I tried to maintain a pretty decent life, but, yeah. you know, nobody's perfect, so of course, you know, you still have some trials and tribulations and dealt with some stuff, but for the most part, it was mainly just, it was like an eye-opener, it was like, you know, God gives you signs, and even when I tried to stray away and just kind of like, yo, I kind of like what I'm doing right now. Like, this music thing kind of got me curious. I want to see how far I can go with it. Yeah. But not knowing God initially had me discovered that I was good at this in that sector, I don't even think that was, like, something I was supposed to branch into too long. I think it was just to show, like, hey, this is a good gift I have for you, but now I want you to do this for me because the lane of what you're going to see is through doing this for me versus kind of doing the typical route of, oh, I'm going to just go, you know, perform at these bars, clubs, and all these until I get that big break, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So, um, and, and again, just when I did that, it was just like that extra confirmation of takeoff because that's when things just started happening super quickly. It was like, whoa, okay. I've, I've experienced that, not in the music realm of things, but when whenever you're intentional about your relationship with Christ it's amazing to see how everything just seems to fall into place and like you get into these rooms or you get through a situation you know you really had no business (laughs) getting through and then you know okay this is all due to his grace and the fact that you know I'm I'm building this relationship with him and I'm doing what's right by him so I can definitely attest to that shout shout, shout out to that situation so do you consider yourself to be a gospel rapper Ah, yes. Okay. The infamous so question. That's the question. That, that's the question. Uh, I, I knew we were going to get to that yeah. one. Okay. So, all right. Let me let me educate some folks with that one because that's a term that uh, 
it's funny because this genre has really evolved over the years. When mm -hmm. I was a kid and I found out for the first time that you could even do this in church because traditional churches, it, was, it, it really wasn't a thing to see rap. It was always just choirs and singing and stuff like that. So when I first saw like rapping this thing, I was like, oh, because I ain't gonna lie, I was, even though I was in a Christian household, I still knew about Juvenile and Luda Chris. And oh, of course. Everybody and all that. So, you know, I was listening to that throughout the week as a kid, you know, as we do. But when I found out, like, oh, this is a thing in church, oh, dope, you know, and it was like, cool. So at that time in the 90s, it was quote unquote gospel rap. Okay, yeah. there was a phase at a point in time, and I knew this because by the time you and me were like preteens and teenagers, I was not listening to none of that gospel rap stuff. <laughs> I might have had I had one gospel rap CD. I cannot tell you the name of the group, but I think <laughs> we actually went to the concert together yeah. at a church, and then I feel bought me their CD because I really liked them. Yeah, that could have been what it was, you know, because um, it was the same. Like we were just, you know, you would hear them live and be like, "Yo, I like them." cool but you would still listen to whoever was popping on the radio absolutely um and so like gospel rap was a thing from about maybe the 90s to i'd say like the early to mid 2000s then came this guy named lecrae so like throughout my first couple years of college i had a christian friend or a cousin he was like bro you don't know who lecrae is i'm like Nah, who's that? And he's like, man, he's like the Christian version of Lil Wayne right now. And I was like, word? Like, on that kind of level? Because from what I didn't know about gospel rap, it was always kind of corny to me because it was like, I already knew what that was about. It was like, well, yeah, it's just going to say Jesus this, Jesus that, God this, God that. And it's kind of like a turnoff musically in some cases because it's like, well, God, I love you, I respect you, but. I don't want to keep hearing your name and like so many bars and all of that, right? Yeah. So then I found out who Craig was unintentionally because I actually listened to some songs that I had no clue was his. And then when I found out from friends who were actually Craig fans, it was like, oh, that's Craig. And so listening to him, I was like, oh, word. So I see Christian rap has changed a little bit. Like it's not as Jesus, Jesus, Jesus as it was. And he had his moments in his earlier years where he was. But as I researched him and even to this day watching him grow over the years, it's to a point now where you can listen to his stuff because I've seen him now be on BET. I've seen him on MTV. I've seen him on, he was on Wildin' Out for crying out loud. And I, when I found that out, I was like, word? Craig? Right. Wildin' Out? Like, that's what's up. Like, you know, he, he's, you know, make, still breaking major barriers right now. But, um, it's so much Christian, because now the term is Christian hip-hop, but Lecrae mm -hmm. also kind of broke that barrier because Lecrae, and, and, and this is where it's kind of like a blurred line because to my Christian Christian people, they don't really like the way this is put, but me, I kind of agree with Lecrae on this aspect. So Lecrae puts it in this term of, I'm a Christian but I'm a rapper, you know? I'm a rapper who is a Christian. Gotcha. And his view on that is like this. It's like, okay, so 
Think about an everyday job. Somebody who's a plumber who's a Christian. Are you going to call them a Christian plumber? That's, that's true. No, yeah, you're yeah. just going to call them a plumber. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, he's a Muslim, right? Yeah. And does anybody call him a Muslim rapper? No. They look at him as like a legit hip-hop artist, right? So he's like, his view is like, hey, why should it matter that if I'm Christian that, you know, I got to be a Christian rapper? You know, like, I'm making good hip-hop music. Yeah, I got my faith in it here and there, but, I mean, I'm still a rapper, you know? I can still go bar for bar. And uh, there's another artist who's very similar to Eminem. He sounds like Eminem uh, to a degree. Uh, But his name is NF, and he's got the same same aspect. Uh, He's People wouldn't even know that they've heard his music. I actually watched... A YouTube video earlier today of college kids reacting to his music and then when they found out he was Christian they were like yo he's a Christian word like his music Christian word you know and then he had songs and they were like yo I know this song wait that's him and it's like yeah you know because he's been he's had songs on Madden he's had songs on oh wow okay he's had songs in movies just a little bit of everything I even found out he had some music featured on Empire. I was like, wow, NF, I didn't know he was on Empire. <laughs> cool, right. you know, but uh, yeah, they both just have that view of they're Christian people, but they don't put the title Christian rapper because that's just... I'm just telling my story, and my story just so happens to be, yeah, you know, I live a life through Christ, yeah. Agreed, you know, and, and, and that's how I look at it. Even now with a lot of the up-and-coming, quote-unquote, Christian hip-hop artists, there's so many I could tell you guys about that you would look at and say, wow, like, I did not know this genre is this popping right now. Like, there's so many dope Christian hip-hop artists. We, we abbreviated as a CHH, but there's so many artists out there that have that same philosophy of, I'm a Christian, yes, but I just, you know, I, I'm telling my truth to you some dope music. Yeah. You know, I just want y'all to hear it and, and vibe to it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a genre, but I think what holds it back is just the fact from my my research and studies and what I've personally went through with it is that a lot of times it's like because of the people who are like super duper churchy or super duper religious, quote unquote, they're like, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be out here in this club or this lounge or on a show like Wild and Out or whatever. you know, doing what they're doing, that's not of God, that's not of this, and it's like, well, if you know the Bible like you say you do, then you would know Jesus wasn't amongst his own people, like, he yeah. was out there with those that didn't know who Christ was, to speak of. hanging with him, you know, so right. it's like, you know, and I guess that's what kind of makes the genre kind of so 50-50, because there are artists out there who go churchy-churchy and they will always spread the gospel and you got others who are different where they will just, they were fans of hip-hop and so they love God, grew up with God in that kind of sense and they're dedicated but they still have this love for hip-hop where it's like, I'm going to go reach this crowd because they need to know about how this message is you know, incorporated nice. in a different way so, for sure. you know, I'm, I'm, I like to say I'm on that side of things you know, when people hear, I got stuff that's for the church church but a lot of my stuff honestly i have music like i, I made a song about anime music <laughs> and, Dope song. 
Dope know. video. <laughs> uh, you know, y'all can look that up if you want. But that that was a song just because I was an anime fan, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, I knew that was a relatable thing that a lot of people would know about, you know, because who didn't know about Dragon Ball Z and all these other animes, like. And so to take that and take my faith and incorporate that in low key in a way, yeah. where it's like, how did you do that? Easily digestible. Yeah. And I feel like you you touched on two things to where there was a time where for the older generation where they didn't agree with bringing secular culture into the church. So you being a, a hip hop gospel artist or, or a gospel rapper wasn't something that was well received. And then we also came from a time where I don't know how to say this, like maybe like being Christ-like or talking about God or talking about church wasn't cool. So like if you say, oh, I'm about to toss on some uh, gospel, I'd be like, well, nigga, what you doing? Like pass me the ox. So yeah. I think you're at a dope place in time and, and just in your creative ability to kind of merge the two worlds and make it not so taboo on either side. So that's dope. Yeah, you know, and uh, I would even just say this. I mean, uh, if you guys literally want to research more about Christian hip hop, like legit, reach out to me, man. I, I'll put you guys on some dope artists, not just myself, but like put y'all on some dope artists that have, you know, caught my eye even when I was either just getting the feel of this or, you know, however you want to put it. But um, what I've noticed also is Christian hip hop has been like a stepchild to gospel anyway. Yeah. Like legit, I kid y'all not. Like the Kirk Frank. I was gonna say Kirk Franklin low key was bringing that hip hop into. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Y'all know what's so funny is gospel. This is how ignorant gospel is. I had to say the, 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 the black <laughs> thing. You know what I'm saying? Ignorant. The gospel side is is like this because they they look at Kirk Franklin and they say that's hip hop, and Kirk has done some dope different things. Don't get me wrong, but we all know that Kirk Franklin is not a rapper. Right. He is not a rapper. You don't even have to be a, a legit gospel fan to know Kirk Franklin's not a rapper, though. Okay? Right. He, he done worked with some rappers, but he is not a rapper. The man is a genius because he can definitely do some stuff. That man is a beast. He's a goat, but he is not a rapper. So <laughs> the thing about it is, to them, though, like hip hop and Christian hip hop is like a stepchild. So Christian hip hop is kind of in a place where they kind of have to just, they just make their own barrier because if you ever want to go to a Christian hip hop concert, I can tell y'all for a fact, it will not be at a church. Like, <laughs> if you're expecting to go to a Christian hip hop concert and you're thinking you're going to be in a church, you got another thing coming. I can tell you for a fact that like Lecrae, for example, has done shows at the Tabernacle, okay? Here in Atlanta, he's done shows at the Tabernacle. Um, center stage. There have been artists like oh. my boy 1K Few. He they just did a tour. There, uh, I think it's the Born Again tour that they're on right now. When he was in Atlanta, because he's from Atlanta, when they did their show here in Atlanta, it was at center stage. Okay, so Christian hip hop artists of today, especially as they're getting younger and younger, they do not do their shows in churches. I mean, the only way you're gonna see a Christian hip hop artist do a show in the church is if it's for a youth group, you know what I'm saying, like a youth group, like a youth pastor wants him to come and bless the stage for his youth group, or, you know, just something like that, but when an artist is doing something on their own, 
Like putting together a tour, it is not at a church. These are major venues. Oh, yeah, major venues. So, question for you. So, being that you're not a gospel rapper, but you are a rapper who is a Christian, I'm sure, and being that your music definitely has a message in it and is spreading the love of Christ, I'm sure you find yourself in a lot of venues or events that are either sponsored by church folk or by other people who consider themselves to be Christians. So, do you find yourself... (laughs) <laughs> when it's time to handle the monetary reimbursement for your performance, mm-hmm. that that can be compromised with them feeling like, oh, you should be doing this to get your message across, not for money. Yes. Okay. So that, again, shout out because of for a dope question, because that is another question that people often ask. Now, here's the beauty of that. Okay. So you do have some churches that will kind of, try to shimmy you a little bit and shimmy shimmy like, you know like uh, like okay so this this is now this is not even just christian this is just anybody that's an artist in general you can relate to this right so the common thing is people want to book you and they'll be like we can't pay you but we can offer you free promotion yeah <laughs> Promotion don't pay these bills, though. Yeah, it's like, okay, hold on. You know, so you got churches that would do that, like, where it's like, you know, you hit them with the, okay, this is the polite way that really any artist would, in in the church world, Christian artists kind of hit churches with this. They'll be like, so, hey, we got this uh, event we're doing for our youth, and we would like for you to come out and, you know, and just you know, give a, say, a 10, 15, 20 minute set for you. Okay, so you'll say, well, what's your budget? And that's generally the question. <laughs> what's your budget? Because, nice. yeah, because you could easily hit them with price. Yeah. But it's like, you genuinely will say, what's your budget? Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when they kind of hit you with the, ooh, you know, like, because they don't expect you to say that. They kind yeah. of, some, some churches, not all, because... I've had churches that take good care of you, mm-hmm. no problem. But there are some churches that'll be like, ooh, he just asked what our budget was. He's he's a for real one. I don't know if we can afford it. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, like, okay, I mean. And, I mean, and, I'll work with you, but I mean. Yeah, and you know, and that's the one thing. Like, you try to tell some churches, like, look, I'm not going to bust your head. That's why I'm asking, what is your budget? Like, right. let me know. What's your range? Like, if you can only afford to pay me one hundred for a show or fifty dollars or whatever, I can work with that. I just need to know, and then I need to know, like, okay, can I set up my merch right. table so I can make more money off my merch? Can I? How many youth are you expecting so I know what to sum up and make up for? You know, right. this and that. And then there's just some churches that you may not even ask them. You know, you do it out of the kindness of your heart because you're wanting to serve. Yeah. And so you do it and then you get blessed in, in the end. You get paid yeah. something in the end, you know? There's so many different ways of approaching it, but a lot of times I look at it this way. Even if you're not getting paid, you can still get paid because... I'm this rich. Is where, this is where, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, God, God gonna always bless you. You know that, you know? I mean, now churches try to hit you with that, so be careful of that if you're a artist that's thinking about becoming a Christian artist or if you are a Christian artist listening, be careful with the whole, you know, um, oh, God going to bless you, you know, like, yes, true, God is going to bless you for your services and your work, but legit, at the same time, you know, you can still pay a brother a little something or 
that part compensate something you know like just for my time like hey here's something for gas money or yeah um and here's the number one thing that a lot of people don't know most people that do christian hip-hop likely are married with a family okay? right so i got a family to feed yeah you got a family to feed you yeah. know? and not to count that some of these christian artists do this on faith so they may not be working a nine to five mm. now most of them kind of do it kind of depends there's levels to this as me would say so <laughs> if you're like a lecrae level or nf level type of dude then you ain't working on nine to fives because you, you you're booked and busy you good yeah but if you're like a mid-level, then again, you're probably still taken care of enough because you got a dope following and fan base to where you don't have to work. Um, and you're getting constant bookings. Really, it kind of just varies off of what, what, what your level is on, on if you work. But to ones just starting now, the ones that's been grinding, you're doing this and you're working at the same time for your family. Right. Um, so it, it just kind of all varies. But the gem I want to drop to y'all, man, is just like, Legit, as you're doing this, just make your money off of your merch sales, okay? Because your merch will never Take fail. Sense. Your merch, <laughs> your merch will never fail. This is this is not even just for Christian artists. I'm talking about to my artists in general listening. All right, merch is key, okay? J Cole legit said it, you know, in his last album when he was just telling folks about tours, okay? He was like, listen. That's the way we eat here in this rap game, you know? Mm-hmm. And like legit. Because when you're touring, yeah, you're not always gonna get paid, you know, at a venue or whatever, or the venue owner's not always gonna pay you. Sometimes your merch just got to sell. Mm-hmm. So when you got some dope merch and you got some dope advertising on your stuff, oh, and rock your merch. Please rock your merch. Because mm-hmm. you got to show the people, hey, look at this dope shirt. You like you rocking with this? Head right over to that merch table and go get it. And then you can even do some promotional tips. Like if you're on stage, you got a free shirt you're willing to give out. Now don't give them necessarily the most popular shirt. You know, take the least popular shirt. <laughs> well, you're not making no money off <laughs> of it. Yeah, the one that don't sell the most. Take the least popular shirt and just keep a couple of them on stage with you. And when somebody's like, yo, I got a free shirt to the hypest person right now that can get on st- on stage with me right now and get the hypest to this next song. Mm-hmm. And people jump. It works every time. Because nice. People love free stuff. Ain't that the truth? You know, and they love interaction. So that's mm-hmm. the goodest. That's the best way to get crowd interaction. Plus, you know, you getting your name out there and your merch out there. And then when people that don't get the free merch, they gonna see your merch table and they gonna want to buy it. You mm-hmm. know, so always rock your merch and always make money off your merch if you're an artist and you don't have merch get you some merch okay grab a graphic designer and get some stuff made up if you don't have a graphic designer then literally i got a shirt that is one of my most popular that is just a straight letter shirt and all it says is i got jesus on my mind (laughs) do you know how many times that shirt sells on a regular i gotta re-up on that shirt as we speak so, and that's just basic lettering. So, right. if you got a dope slogan in your head, literally just put it on a shirt, go to the mall or wherever you want to, like nearest shirt making place or anybody. There's so many people with that shirt making hustle. So, get you some leather shirts made until you get that, that dope graphic designer that can make you some dope, unique stuff and, and just sell what works. Because somebody's going to see that message and they're going to be like, yo, I like that. 
let me buy that one time. How much is you know just right. buy this for the for the fifteen, for the twenty, whatever, and then boom, you're good. For the low low price of and I guess my final little nugget for you guys, because I can give y'all nuggets all day, but this, this nugget is really helpful. Artists, make sure you are registered with BMI. Okay? Now, ASCAP, shout out to them because ASCAP is another publishing company that's good too. But I don't know if they do what BMI does, so I can't speak for ASCAP. I'm, I'm a BMI myself. But BMI, what a lot of people may not know, is that BMI pays you, okay? They pay you for your live performances. Anywhere that you go. So when you have your registered song list and all the songs in your bank that's registered under your catalog on BMI, say you just did 10 shows. Now the catch is you have to, you gotta wait until the day after. So like you can't register it the day of. You gotta wait till the next day because it kind of works on delayed time. But say you did 10 shows and as you did those 10 shows, you're gonna get paid for all 10 of those shows even if those shows don't pay you. you nice. So, so That's a me, gem for real. Legit. You know, and I'm just letting people know that because that was a new thing. DMI hadn't been doing that for a long time. Like, I think they had just started that not even four or five years ago. So it, it's it's very new, but what it is is you just, if you register with BMI, just go under BMI Live, and when you go under there, you get some little performance section, and you just go to add performance, and what happens is, all of that plus your royalty pay comes in that direct deposit, and or check if you kind of old school with it, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All of that comes straight to your account. And I'm talking about every quarter, you gonna get a nice little bump song and you get the little statement where you see how much you got. Shout out to the independents finding their way, man. That's, that's what's up. That's, you know? that's a gem. So I, I, I like to tell people that because with me, I mean, you know, I still work right now, but it's, 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 it's money adds up. So it's like after a while, as I continue to just keep grinding out here like I've been doing, at some point, the more shows I'm doing, the more my music is getting played on the airways, these royalties keep on growing because I'm, I'm seeing the increase by the day. You know? mm. So it's like, okay, I see where this royalty is. Royalties are important, artists, okay? They're very important. You want to eat, you want to survive, and you want to be your own boss in this independent thing, man, legit, then royalties is the most your money going to come from. Royalties and merchandise sales, okay? You killing those two things, everything else is a given. I mean, you know, record labels, truth be told, they're only good for two things. They're good for funding you with a whole lot of money to distribution banks. And, well, you know what? Not even distribution. Not even distribution. Because no. distribution is so easy that now I'm, I'm distributing myself. Yeah, you know, that's like, true. All of my music, you can find it on iTunes, Apple Music. Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anything that has streaming whatsoever, you can find it on all that. If you look up Highlight Reel on whatever it is you like to listen to your music on, I guarantee you, you're going to find it. Uh, I remember when Shazam, I don't know if people still use that. <laughs> I definitely use that the other day. Okay. <laughs> I so, use it every day. So check this out, y'all. I remember when I first like played one of my songs and I was like, Shazam, what's this song? And it pulled it up. 
It was just it was so like, Mama, I made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's dope. Like, you know, yeah. like, yo, I just found myself, you know. Even Siri, you know, I don't think I've tried it with Siri yet, but I'm pretty sure I could even just be like, yo, Siri, play highlight reel. And she'll be like, okay. I thought my phone was about to ignore. <laughs> was about to do Siri. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but uh, legit, y'all. So all I just want to let you know is there's, there's distribution companies now that you can get your stuff distributed through. You don't even need record labels for that anymore. You can go on CD Baby. You can go on TuneCore. You can go on, I mean, there's so many. And believe it or not, y'all, Spotify is its own, it's turned into a platform of its own now in the sense of, it used to be you had technical difficulties. We were having some technical difficulties because, you know, our conversation was just too far. You know, Anchor was like, nah, pimp, we can't let them have all that at one time. <laughs> but um, before we got interrupted, just kind of circle back. You were talking about um, Spotify and what it means for artists now. Yes. So artists just capitalize on Spotify right now. It's, it's the hottest thing. Uh, everybody's listening to it. And yeah, they just they opened it up for you now to basically just do... You know, treat it like a website, legit, like a legit website now where you can just put your bio, pictures, and anything, and music, all of that. Even the artist pick, uh, whatever your newest, hottest single is, boom, there you go. Nice. Okay. So that kind of takes it. Oh, you were also talking about how for the artist, you can kind of curate your page to make it look the way you want it to for a new listener. And they have something now called artist pick. Yes. Where you can like say, okay, these these are my top five songs from me. I feel like you should listen to. Yes. So highlight reel. What is a track you would play for people to display your lyrical ability as well as give people a sense of who highlight reel is? Okay, cool. Um, so I have a song that uh, I dropped called Classic. Classic. Um, I dropped it last year um, on Valentine's Day because it, it kind of had the romantic vibes to it. Um, I do have some recent stuff as well, but just off the top as far as if you wanted to get a summary. Uh, so like if you're the type of guy, you know, guy or girl listener that may not want something super duper Christian or churchy, you know, you like his stuff, but you're like, ah, you know, I want something a little, a little neutral on the field. Well, okay, this, this is definitely that song because, uh, it's a relationship song. Um, I'm not in a relationship, but I make dope love songs for ladies he's a gentleman he opens doors still puts his coat around <laughs> you at night when it's cold long walks on the beach all that <laughs> cough cough okay, word, I'm sorry word. I'll be uh, playing matchmaker go ahead <laughs> I see I see shout out to that shout out to that but um yeah no I would say it's just a dope romantic vibes type of song I mean um the ladies love it the fellas rock with it I mean I've when I when that song dropped I have a lot of people just giving me like the nod of yo this is a dope track, and you know it's got storytelling in it. it. The beats got the vibes where you can just bump it in your car, you can bump it, you know, in your local clubs, wherever you want to go. You can mm-hmm. you can bump this song, uh, and it's lyrical with the storytelling ability. It's got some of those auto tune stuff to those who like the auto tune sound, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean everything about it, top to bottom, is straight up solid. So. If I would say one song to start off with, definitely check out Classic, available everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. 
And then we gonna get hype and turn up to rich right afterwards. Classic and rich, of course. <laughs> and yes. then anime. Yes. You know, we can give y'all a playlist, but but uh, we just gonna hit y'all with, with those three. <laughs> Come on. All right. <laughs> and then my last question for you is, um, what is your ultimate goal with your music? Are you comfortable with an intimate setting, like a intimate group of following, where you're just making money off of your shows and doing events, or are you looking for mainstream success and finding a quote unquote big break? Wow, you know, that is such a dope question because I contemplate this thought every single day um, because, you know, when I get with my team of people, you know, it's always kind of like, well, how, like, what's your goals? What are you trying to do? And sometimes that's where it gets a little weird because, you know, Christian hip-hop and all that, even though, like I said, I, I title myself more as a rapper, you know, because I love music, I love hip-hop, I love everything about music and all that. So for me, you know, but then there's still the fact that I do have purpose in my music. So there's a part of it that's ministry, right? So like, it's a way, it's an outlet to get people who may want to know God a little deeper or may not know about God at all, but they get influenced through my music somehow. It's a way to say, well, hey, let me come tell you about God a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, let me, you know, try to get inside your head a little bit and just kind of, you know, see you know, what God got for you in life, you know, maybe, you know, that's your calling, but, you know, um, legit, man, like, when I look at the success of a Lecrae and the NF, I definitely would love to experience that, I would love to be able to travel around the world, and I feel that coming, like, I do see that, like, I see myself traveling around the world, doing mm -hmm. shows in, like, the UK, or, you know, you know, uh, Russia, and all of that, and, you know, of course, here in the, in the U.S., you know, going around the way and like Cali and New York and all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, if, you know, I, I leave it up to God as far as ultimately how far I go with this. Right. I just like to promote and promote and promote. I bust my butt every single <laughs> day to just let people know, yeah, I'm out here. Like, I have my followers and my fan base. They look at me and like uh, we just I just did my verse for the uh, keep on praying challenge and um, shout out to Mike Todd for distributing that. Love him. And uh, <laughs> so in doing my verse, you know, I had a follower ask me to do it, so I did it. And man, the response has been crazy since I dropped my verse. So like I look at it as you know those who follow me, if you truly rock with me, y'all are making me like to me y'all are everything to me and I mean I just want to be comfortable I want to have people where you know if I drop a new single I know y'all streaming it and, and you know I mean like I said money and stuff you know I want to be able to financially make sure my future family is, is set because yeah. I know that if I'm on the road for a few days or you know weeks or whatever good. that they're going to be good because I'm doing this and I'm feeding putting food on the table for y'all, you know, yeah. like, and, um, yeah, so I'm blessed for that, you know, I met an artist that said he's been doing this for 22 years, and I've only been doing this for about maybe five on a solo tip, so, you know, the fact that I'm moving so fast in a short amount of time is crazy, nice. but um, I'm, I'm really, I'm just riding a wave right now, but I, I really do, goal-wise, goal I do want to be able to be like, yo, if I'm coming to your city, it's a squad coming, like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, you know what I'm right. saying, and I can just have a dope show in this city, that city, 
Um, you know, I just want that strong following to where when I put something out, because people are just like, highlighted, man, you, you're you underrated, dude. You're, you're, you're a beast out here, man. Like, how do they not know you right now? I'm like, it's, it's hard it takes work. It time, you know, yeah. It takes time, you know, but. You gotta be in it to win it. You need that patience. You need that, that the, the perseverance to keep going, because sometimes it's like, oh, it's not happening fast enough. But yes. it's happening. Yes, and you know what? And, and, and I guess I would just end it on this note and just let every artist uh, or even podcaster like Cousin Potters. here, um, you know, anything that you do, Okay, anything that you do, just know that that there's a reason it takes hard work and patience and dedication to get where you want to go. Nothing comes overnight. There's mm-hmm. a few instances where, you know, yeah, it does kind of become an overnight success. Maybe you put out a video that just instantly went viral. Say you got a, you know, talk show on YouTube and something happened and it went viral. That's those rare instances, but don't get discouraged if you're expecting that same type of success and it doesn't happen. That's not quite the case. Consistency, people, that's that's the key, okay? Yeah. Stay consistent in what you are doing in your life, okay? If you want to be that artist and you, you got your goals and you set, then stick with it. It's going to get hard because there have been many moments where I've been, like, contemplating, like, man, do I want to do this? <laughs> I still love this, like, Right. When is money going to fully, fully come in, come in, and I'm, you know, I'm tired of working these 9 to 5s, but it's like, I know that each day when I see that following, like, I'm I'm over 1,100 followers right now, all organically, yeah. and I didn't pay for followers or nothing, I'm building my family, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's good though. And, uh, you know, and, and, and just like I said, I'm proud of my cousin Janine for what she's doing now, because... Like, there's a reason I listen to the show because I've been that person trying to get you to, like, listen. And, you know, I've never been the bug type, mm-hmm. but I know what it's like to try to promote yourself and get people to really listen to you when they listen to their favorite artists or, you know, in their case, favorite podcasts like Breakfast Damn. Club, all of that. Yeah. It's tough to get people to learn something new. But, man, that's why it's like everybody that's been on Cuzzo's show, I've, I've heard everything you guys have done. I've supported it, and I rock with what y'all got going on. Y'all keep that grind going. Uh, people who know me know I'm kind of a motivational kind of Oh, my of goodness. Too. If you don't make it as a rapper, you're a motivational speaker for sure. <laughs> you know, for I try, sure. I try to be, man. Um, that's why I said it's, it's many traits to me, man. But I, re- I really feel like if all those fails, I know I can manage and motivate people to just be better, man. That's mm-hmm. I want you to succeed. You know, I, I really do. I want you to succeed. And I don't want you to give up, legit, because who you are and what you are passionate about, what you love to do, it's going to come. And, um, I mean, Drake has said it. There's a reason why the Grammys cut his mic off, y'all. I mean, he meant <laughs> what he said, and that's true, though. Right. I mean, legit, as an artist, that's why I said for me, I don't necessarily need a Grammy. I would love to win one one day. Right. Hey, I'm cool with that. But I'm just as cool with what Drake said in the sense of if y'all hearing me and y'all going around Spotify, y'all streaming my songs. Showing up to shows, buying tickets. Y'all buying tickets, y'all buying merch, y'all doing all that. Truth be told, man, no matter the weather condition, all of that, truth be told, that means more to me than any Grammy could ever mean. I mean, legit, I care about my fans, I interact with my fans. I don't even call y'all fans, I call them family because Mm. 
you know, when y'all like, well, highlight you, you did it again. Or highlight, keep you coming, man. <laughs> it just, it, it, it fuels me in the right way, not a way of egotistical where it's like, yeah, I'm that dude. Yeah, yeah, ain't nobody touching me. Like, nah, it's, it's more so like, that's real. I love y'all because y'all are keeping me going whenever that moment feels like, yeah, I'm about to just wrap it up. Like, nah, you keep going because keep they pushing. hear you, they love you. And, and more importantly, they're loving the God in you and what you're doing because it's impacting them at the same time. And that's all I care about. But I do, I, you know, you boy do want to see that success. The human side of you do want to see that success. <laughs> Absolutely. Lie, you know, who doesn't? Right. right. But uh, keep going, people. Y'all, all of y'all, man, listeners, no matter where you're listening from right now or what area you're in, keep going. And that's for you too, cuz. Hey, I shall. Um... Yeah, I was, I was going to say to wrap it up, um, thank you again for being on the show. You could be anywhere in the world or the Southeast or in a venue, but you're here with me spending time and just um, having a conversation. And I'm sure you dropped a lot of gems that pe- people are going to catch. And that's a normal occurrence for me because you every Monday, hey, I listen to your episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, it's such a pleasure to see the way you are growing and um, you are evolving and becoming successful within your own right and seeing God move in your life. And it's awesome to see you be a blessing to others, not only through conversations we've had personally, but through your music. I'm sure that people can piece together a testimony because that's really what it is. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I am looking forward to all of your upcoming successes and being part of your shows and screaming in the crowd and all that good stuff. Yes, and yes. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. How can everybody find you? Yes, um, you can find me on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Highlight Life, H-I-L-I-T-E, Life. Now, that's not necessarily the name. The name is Highlight Real, uh, but Highlight Life is more like my, my movement, my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to love life, live life, you know, speak life, all that good stuff. Um, but the name is Highlight Real, so if you're looking for me on Spotify, if you're looking for me on YouTube, I got music videos, all that good stuff, um, literally just look up H-I. Um, you can put a hyphen or no hyphen, just put H-I and then L-I-T-E and then real r-e-a-l and uh trust me y'all when you look if you spell it the right way <laughs> you'll find it. you will find me instantly but i've made it in the tags to where even if you spell highlight regular it should still pull me up but if you spell it the way that i pointed it out i promise you you will find me with no problem guys but don't you guys fret because i'm going to do all of the hard work and i'm going to find him on all of the social media platforms which i have already and i'll be sure to put them in the tags for the episode description But as I mentioned earlier, I hope everybody has an amazing week. Thank you so much for kicking it with me with a little bit of classy fuckery. And I will catch catch y'all next week. I can never say that at the end of the episode. (laughs) My mouth does not want to say catch. Goodness. I will catch y'all next week on what I think about this week. Peace. Hello. Hello. Could you repeat your name, please? Okay, I just got my nails done. A full set. I'm a whole new chick. I don't know who anybody is. Who, who this? 
All right. Matter of fact, hang up the phone. Call me back on FaceTime. I need you to see this sleigh up close and personal. Matter of fact, I'm only talking to people in sign language moving forward. (laughs) Now, if you're out there and you're not satisfied with the nail design, with the nail shaping, with the quality of service that your nail tech is giving you, make sure you hit up my girl Stacia at at Vibin Nails. Okay, she's amazing. We say we want to support our peers. We say we want to support local businesses. Make sure you hit her up. You can catch her art on Instagram at Vibin Nails and that's V-I-B-I-N-N-A-I-L-Z. Make sure you check her out.